God been good to you this morning or what? Amen. Well, if you guys hadn't noticed, I'm not Brian. But I thought I'd carry on the tradition around here of wearing a nice Hawaiian shirt, blue jeans, and some tennis shoes. So uh, you feel free to call me Brian. If, if I say anything you don't like, you can email Brian as well. Uh, but my name is Phil Harden. I am the high school pastor here. Man, I have the privilege of hanging out with high schoolers pretty much all day, every day. It's such a cool thing. But I also have a privilege this morning being able to speak with you guys. Uh, communicating God's word is one of my favorite things to do in this entire world. I love it. It's exciting. It, it gets my, my mind going. It gets the juices flowing. I mean, it's the only thing that, that for me, uh, if, if you took it away, I'd feel, I wouldn't feel right. It would feel weird. So I love to communicate. Uh, but even more than I love to communicate, I love drama. And we're going to get to that. But first, turn with me to Revelation chapter 5. And before we begin this morning, you know, they did say pick something light and simple to talk about. So that's why we're in Revelation. So something that's easy. Don't worry about it, Phil. You got it. <laughs> but I'd like to take a moment and just pray uh, and just give this message, this moment, uh, our attention, our hearts, our ears to God. So let's pray together. God, you are good. You are good each and every day, regardless of how I feel, how we feel. God, you're good. You never let us down. And so, Lord, I pray in this time, in this moment, that my words would not be my words, but instead they would be your words. God, that when I come here on this stage, I announce the arrival of the king, and when the king shows up, I shut up. God, we love you. We give you our time, our attention, and everything we have this morning. In the holy and precious name of Jesus, amen. I don't know about you guys, but I love drama. I mentioned that a few seconds ago. I love drama. Not the old church lady gossipy kind of drama. All right, we've got enough of that as it is. But I like drama that you see in movies and films. The, the most intense scenes you watch, and it's this climactic buildup of all the things that have happened before. And all of a sudden, there becomes this peak there's this moment in the story where something pivotal has to happen. And if it doesn't happen, then it's a letdown. But I love the dramatic buildup to that moment. And none of you would be surprised if I told you that we were going to talk about drama in the Bible today. None of you would be surprised whatsoever. But we're going to talk about one of the most dramatic moments in the history of existence this morning. I'm going to do my best. I don't have much time, but we can do it. We got it. Before we get there, I'd like to tell you guys a little bit of a story. Now, I grew up in Mebane. Anybody from Mebane in here? All right. I had somebody from the first service at 9 o'clock ask me if I was from the north. I got a little offended, uh, but uh, <laughs> we love our northerners here at the Lamb's Chapel. We love you guys. We love you. But I grew up in Mebane, and my grandma lived on Kirkpatrick Road, not far from here in Burlington. And my parents would go to work in the summer and drop my brother and I off at her house. We'd sit there in the morning, watch cartoons, hang out, eat something. We'd go into the garden, maybe pick a few green beans, snap them, throw them in a bucket. And then all of a sudden, 12.30 would hit. Uh-oh, some of you guys know that... Some of you knows what happened at 1230. At 1230, there's a show that's come on. It's coming on at 1230. 
and the whole world has to come to a stop for this show to continue. Whatever you're doing, get out of the garden, go inside. If I was watching TV, oh, you better believe she was grabbing that remote. At 12.30, Young and the Restless came on. Right? Young and the Restless came on. If you don't know what Young and the Restless is, it's a TV series soap opera. But it sounds to me like a lot of you guys watch it. So, (laughs) sounds like you know exactly what it is. It is nothing but drama. Nothing but drama. It's like somebody's going to die, money's going to go missing, somebody's going to have an affair. It is this awesome pile of drama. I don't watch it, by the way. Uh, it It is nothing but drama, and it is wild. It's crazy. Grandmas love it. Mine did. But it was wild, and my tiny mind could barely comprehend all the drama that was taking place But there's a reason why it's been going strong, Young and the Restless, since March of 1973. That's 20 years before I was born, by the way, 1973. Because people love drama. Now, I don't know what's going on with Victor and the rest of the crew now. Like I said, I don't watch it. But there's tons of stuff that's all about drama in it. Now, the dictionary definition of drama is this. It's an exciting, emotional, or unexpected series of events or circumstances. And like I said earlier, none of you would be surprised if we said there's drama in the Bible. There's the unexpected, right? The things that you're not seeing that, oh, wow, all of a sudden that happens. It's crazy. There's the excitement. There's the emotional. All of that exists in the Bible. It's all throughout Scripture. But this morning, we're going to unpack what I believe to be one of the most important, dramatic, climactic moments in the history of existence. I'm doing my best. I only got about 30 minutes, but we're going to do it. Before we dive into this text, this is in Revelation chapter 5, we're going to need some context around it. All right. God has sent an angel to John, the apostle of Jesus. An apostle just means that he walked around with Jesus. He got to know who Jesus was. He lived, uh, learned from Jesus, had direct interaction with him while he was here on this earth. And so God sends an angel to him. And, and John begins to have all these new ideas that we call revelations. All right. And he puts it in the book and we call it revelation. But he also begins to get visions. And he gets a glimpse into the throne room of heaven. And this is a powerful moment. And this is in Revelation chapter 4. In Revelation chapter 4, in the throne room of heaven, John sees God the Father seated on the throne. He sees an emerald rainbow encompassing the throne the Father sits upon. He sees a crystal sea out in front of the throne. He sees 24 elders seated with white robes surrounding the throne. He sees four, four living creatures, heavenly beasts, heavenly creatures guarding the throne. He paints this beautiful picture in Revelation chapter four, of the throne room of God. But then something catches his eye. Something grabs his attention. Through all this majesty and beauty, John sees something. This is what he sees. Revelation chapter 5, verse 1 says this. Then I saw a scroll 
in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. Let me ask you, what is so important to God Almighty that he holds it in his own hand? That he's written on the inside, the outside, and sealed it seven different times. Clutched in his right hand. What is so important? Now let me save you a little bit of theology and, and a longer sermon. The scroll, scroll represents this. It's a lot of things. It represents the restoration of all of creation. It, it rest, the restoration and redemption for us, mankind as well. It represents the beginning of what is new and an end to all the barriers between us and God. It is God's authoritative, unalterable, cannot be changed, signed and sealed promise to us. That's what's so important to him. Clutched in his right hand, it is the promise of victory. It is the deed to win back and reclaim what was lost when Adam and Eve chose to sin in the garden. When we gave it all up and God created us to be like him in his image, inherit the earth and reign on it, we lost it there in the garden. It is the deed that reclaims it all. It's the promise of victory. It is God's ultimate plan. That is what sits and is clutched in God Almighty's hand in Revelation chapter 5. Let's keep reading. Revelation chapter 5 verses 2 through 3. John says, Then I saw a strong angel one who shouted with a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open it and read it. John, along with all of creation, all of heaven are fixated on this scroll that sits in the Father's hands. A mighty angel calls out and he says, who is worthy to take upon this ultimate plan? What was creation's response? Nothing. Because no one was worthy. Not even one. Not the mighty angels. Not the heavenly beast. The creatures surrounding the throne. Not even the greatest men that have ever existed. No one alive or dead could take this scroll from the Father's hand. There was no one in all of creation that was worthy. Look what happens next. Feel John's emotions. Revelation chapter 5 verse 4. John says, Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. John begins to weep. In fact, this word means to mourn a loss or to violently cry because John knows if no one is worthy, then we will live in sin and darkness forever. 
John knows that if no one's worthy, our sin can only ever produce death. There's no, no hope. We've lost it all, and that's, that's the end of the story. We're left with an eternal separation from God. And if no one can take it and no one's worthy, the enemy retains control of this earth. There is no victory if no one is worthy. In this moment, John is mourning what he believes to be the loss of redemption for all of creation. And while John is mourning, God is actively fulfilling a promise to you, to me, but specifically, there's a promise that comes in the form of a blessing that reads more like a prophecy that we can read about in Genesis. Long ago, there was a man by the name of Jacob, and Jacob wrestled with God and changed his name to Israel. When he changed his name to Israel, it means to wrestle with God, and he has 12 sons. These 12 sons and their descendants would be known as the 12 tribes of Israel. And on his deathbed, Jacob tells his sons the fate of each of their tribes. It's, it's almost funny when you read through it because some of them really read like curses more than they do blessings, but he's just being honest with his sons. He's like, man, some of you guys, you're going to be wiped out and you're going to die. And sorry about that. Hey, by the way, there's a really good one in there. Uh, and this, this good one that we can read about is to his son, whose name is Judah. Listen to what Jacob says to his son, Judah. Genesis chapter 49, verses 8 through 10 says, Judah, your brothers will praise you. You will grasp your enemies by the neck. All your relatives will bow before you. Judah, my son, is a lion. A lion that has finished eating its prey. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to rouse him? The scepter, the kingdom, right, will not depart from Judah. Nor the ruler's staff from his descendants. Until the coming of the one whom it belongs, the one to whom all nations will honor. Guys, take a wild guess who's from the tribe of Judah. Jesus. Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. God who walked among his own creation came down a descendant from the tribe of Judah, descendant of Judah and of King David. His lineage is strong. You guys remember John Welling? He's crying, he's upset. All the emotion, all, all the, the sadness, the grief, the mourning, the loss in his mind. From where he sits, it's all lost. It appears as if humanity and all of creation is gonna be defined by sin and death for eternity. No one was found worthy to take the scroll in the Father's hand. All of heaven and earth had been searched and no one was worthy. Read this. Revelation chapter 5 verse 5 says this. But one of the 24 elders said to me, said to John, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. 
He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Jesus, Jesus has shown up on the scene and he is the only one that can take the scroll from the Father's hands. The redemption, the restoration of creation, all of that lies in his hand. This is powerful. It says, all of heaven and earth were searched. No one could be found worthy. So God stepped down, walked among us. God, the lion, stepped down to walk among us so that we could be redeemed when he shed it all there on the cross. The promise, the victory, it is here. He is worthy. Sin and death no longer define us. That's what this means. When Jesus takes the scroll from the Father's hands, you are not defined by your addictions. They cannot control you. Your brokenness doesn't have to leave you numb. Your hurt, your pain, your your anxiety, all that mess that you're dealing with each and every day does not determine the course of your future because Jesus was found worthy. (laughs) Jesus. Revelation chapter five, verses six through 14. Let's keep reading what John sees. This is beautiful. John says, then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne of the four living beings and among the 24 elders. See, the lion became the lamb. The lion became the lamb, and he's, he's standing there, the slain lamb, scarred, but alive. And John begins to give more detail. He says, he had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. There's a lot right there. Don't get caught up in it. Jesus is perfect. That's what it's saying. It says Jesus is perfect. His power, his authority, his wisdom, his knowledge, it is all perfect. Then he says, he, the lamb, stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings, remember those beings guarding the throne, the 24 elders surrounding the throne, fell down before the lamb. They all fell down. They began to worship the lamb. Each one had a harp. And this is just a side note, but isn't it interesting how their worship began even before they started playing music? They fell down. They didn't start singing until they got back up. They fell down. It says each one had a harp and they held gold, gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. I'll tell you one thing, guys, your prayers, your prayers exist in eternity. When you go to God, you go to him outside of time and place. You are not bound by anything on this planet. When you go to prayer in God, you are participating in something that is eternal. It says, and they sang a new song 
with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals open. For you were slaughtered. This is why. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and every language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God. And they will reign here on this earth. The prophet Isaiah says it like this. This is how he talks about the lamb, Jesus. He says, all of us like sheep. This is in Isaiah 53, verses six through eight. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We've sinned, we've messed up. We have done exactly what Adam did, exactly what Eve did in the garden, in our own way. We've all messed up. We've all taken the shortcut. We've left God's path to follow our own, he says. Yet the Lord laid it on him, the lamb, Jesus, the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he, Jesus, was led away. See, Jesus is worthy because when Adam and Eve, you and I failed, we took the shortcut. God said, I want you to be like me. And you said, I think I can get there my own way. See, when Adam and Eve failed and they were kicked out of the garden, they were tempted by Satan. Jesus faced a similar scenario. Remember that? On the top of a mountain, Satan and Jesus stood. And he said, Jesus, remember all this you lost? Remember all this you little buddies lost? It can be yours. The power, the riches, the kingdoms of all the world can be yours. If you just bow down and worship me. What did Jesus say? No. No, I don't think so, buddy. You're not worthy of worship. And Jesus refused. So he is worthy because when he looked at the cross, he did not see his own death, but instead he saw your redemption. He took our punishment. When it should have been us walking to the cross, he ran in front and he said, I've got it. Don't worry about it. So he didn't just die for our sins. He died covered in them. Jesus is worthy because of the finished work on the cross. He is worthy because when he was put to death, the darkness could not hold him for he was raised back to life. Jesus is worthy because he won back everything that we lost when we stood no chance to take it back. See, no one, no one in all of creation could be found worthy, but Jesus was found worthy. The prophet Isaiah continues and he says this about why Jesus is worthy. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10. It was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. That's talking about Jesus. Jesus knew what he was getting into when he went to the cross. When he came to this earth, he knew what he was getting into. He knew you were going to reject him. He knew you were going to spit at the foot of the cross. He, he went there anyway. 
He knew you were going to mess up even after you acknowledged what he's done for you. But he went. Isaiah continues and he says, Yet when his life, Jesus' life, is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants or his children. He will enjoy a long life. Eternity is pretty long. And the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. Yes. <laughs> What's in his hands? The scroll, God's ultimate plan, the Lord's good plan, the scroll is in his hands. Oh, yeah. See, victory has taken place. True. And no one, including all of creation, will be able to keep quiet about it. Listen to what John sees now that victory has been won. This is in Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. John says, Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. See that image? Thousands of millions of angels. And they sang in a mighty chorus, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, they sang, Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne, God the Father, and to the Lamb, to the Lamb, Jesus Christ, forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. You know what it means to say amen? It means let it be. It's true. I agree, I affirm. These four living beings are in agreement with what's taking place. And then the 24 elders fell down and worshiped the lamb. See, creation cannot keep quiet. <laughs> creation will not keep, if you're quiet, says the rocks will cry out. Creation cannot keep quiet. The only appropriate response to his worthiness is worship. See, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Yes. And this is a big deal, guys. If all of creation will cry out and bow down to Christ, and that means this, all of us, regardless of where you're at, who you are, what you've done, all of us will give witness to the perpetual, ongoing, never-ending glorification of Jesus Christ in heaven. But, but only some of us get to participate in that with him. Sure. Jesus went to the cross so that you could participate with him. Yes. He's not angry. That's a slaughtered lamb, the slain lamb is standing. He loves you. Amen. He doesn't want you to be on the outside looking in. He wants you to be in the kingdom with him. 
See, it is those of us who have come to the conclusion that Jesus is more worthy of worship that get the chance to reign with him in his kingdom. The lamb that was slain arose victorious. And yet, even in heaven, he is scarred. Did you guys catch that when we were reading? What happens when he appears to Thomas? It's got holes where? Where the nails were. Jesus is scarred for all eternity, for you and for me. Is it possible that the only works, the only works of humanity that is evident in heaven are the scars that we put upon our Lord? Not to shame us. Don't feel shame in that. It's not to shame you. But to declare that you were worth it. Guys, I can explain a lot of things, but you, you tell me how a God who doesn't need us comes down and loves us anyway and chooses to bring us into his kingdom. That's something I can't explain. His love for us is unexplainable. My mind's not that big. My head might be, but my mind's not. See, Jesus came and he has scarred for all eternity for you and for me. He is worthy. And let me put it like this. You were worthy. Rephrase it. You are worth it to the only one who is worthy. You were worth it to the only one in all of creation who is worthy. And the only thing we can do with that, it's not, it's not explain it or understand it. Comprehend it. It's not those things. It's not even preach about it. It's to worship him. The only appropriate response to his worthiness is worship. And so if I could, I'd like to get the band to come back up for one last song. See, God says you are worth it. On your worst days, on your best days, whatever you've been through, you are worth it to the only one who was worthy. And I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you're going through. But there is one guarantee that I can make. One guarantee. Jesus is worthy to be worshipped. All of creation declares this to be so. And maybe today is the first time you've ever even considered that. So what I'd like to do right now, just take a moment if you guys would, just close your eyes and bow your head where you're at. Maybe today is the first time that you've ever even considered that Jesus is worthy to be worshiped. And if that's you, raise your hand. Maybe today is the only day. Maybe today you've decided that it's time to get your life back on track because the one who is worthy to be worshipped is not the mess that you keep chasing after. It's Jesus Christ himself. If that's you, raise your hand. You can put them down. And if you declare that Jesus is worthy of worship, stand where you are. Stand where you are if you declare that Jesus is worthy of worship. 
because the only thing in all of creation that has ever been worthy, that has ever been able to take the scroll from the Father's hand was Jesus himself. So let us worship this morning because nothing is worthy of worship other than Jesus.